Picture the chaotic scene of your sink. Does yours ever get pretty messy? Man, dishes are, are a challenge, especially after a big meal. Okay, let's do another one. Uh, many of our students completed exams the last couple of weeks. And uh, chances are one or few or most uh, were up pretty late or woke up early the next morning. Let's imagine one of them loses his or her study guide. Only an hour or so before the exam, wanting that last push and doesn't have it. That's chaotic. Okay, what about this? You, uh, after dinner one night... Your spouse looks at you and says, I don't know if I can do this anymore. That's chaotic. What if the doctor calls and the results are in and that terminal diagnosis has been registered? That's chaos. September 9th, 2011, 10.30 a.m., Lower Manhattan, that is chaos. We can start with our kitchens and move out to world history, and somewhere in between, we locate, often personally, moments and seasons of chaos. Many of us in this room are experiencing some of that now. And you know, oftentimes when, when, when these seasons or moments come, sort of these reflexes begin to, to build up in you and I. You know how your, your peripheral vision seems to fade away. Uh, likely your heart begins to pump. Blood begins to flow. Endorphins begin to to come and your metabolic systems begin to shut down. Our world shrinks in these moments. It shrinks. We lose all sense of perspective. And perhaps uh, we're, we're thankful, not perhaps, we are thankful that our first responders, that um, those that have served and do serve our country train day in and day out so that when these chaotic moments arrive, their response isn't like ours. Instead of fleeting, they pursue. Nevertheless, when these moments come in our lives, this is often what happens. The smoky plume of chaos just clouds things out. And if we're honest we actually begin to, to ask some questions. Even those of us who proclaim Christ, questions like, does he see this? Is he aware of this? Does he have any intention to be involved with this? Our question this morning is, how does God bring chaos, excuse me, bring order to the chaos of our lives? How does he bring clarity when the view that we have is foggy at best? How does God direct us when every path seems to be either lost 
or blurred? Has he done something? Well, this morning we're going to explore that through Psalm 8. So I invite you either to turn there or pay attention to the screens as we hear from God's word this morning. O Lord, how lo- o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, make David's words our cry this morning. Through the chaos, we pray you bring peace, you bring hope. Deepen this message deep, deep, deep into our hearts and souls this morning. Amen. You remember that program uh, on PBS called, I think it's called The Joy of Painting? Um, Our friend Bob Ross is the star. I remember watching these, I think it was uh, most of the early 90s. And you remember how he would, with his little, uh, it was his paint and on the canvas, and within 30 minutes, he had painted a masterpiece, right? I mean, it was, it was incredible. Are you, are you familiar with Bob Ross and his work? Okay. So, you know, and he's got these little phrases like, oh, pretty tree, or uh, fluffy cloud, or, uh, or, you know, there's a bird that just seems to pop up on the picture. You know, I was, I was reminded of that, um, because if, if, if you, like me, have watched that program and, and been like, where is he going with this? He just put blue, like, right across the paint, you know, right across the canvas, and somehow this is going to be heaven, sky, and a bush, you know, and you, it looks totally confusing. And then as he moves through the painting, all of a sudden there's likely a mountain, uh, and then there's a tree right in front of you usually, and by the painting's end, again, in a matter of minutes, we have gone from a blank canvas to something quite precious. There's sort of this experience of, of, of wonderful clarity and satisfaction by the end of that time, after you've laughed at Bob Ross at his ways and his comments. Uh, do we have any memes of Bob Ross? I bet there's some great ones if I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> How does God bring order to the chaos? As we experience a painting of Bob Ross, as we, as we begin to take in what his intention was with that canvas, as it begins to come clear where he was going the whole time, that we had no sense of it in the moment, God does something similar. He takes us on a trip. He takes us on a trip to gain perspective. And as we move through this passage this morning, I pray that as we make our stops along the journey, 
that we would be reminded of something critical this morning. So what has he done to bring order to our chaos? What is he doing in those moments? He's inviting us to take a trip with him. Let's follow him there. The first stop on our trip are the heavens. We see this in verse 1 and 3. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. The first leg of our journey reminds us that the order and, and guidance and direction comes when we see the vastness of our God's creation. Thomasville is roughly 15 square miles, covers the area of about 15 square miles. Georgia covers an area of about 59,000 square miles. The, the U.S. of A covers about 3.8 million square miles, and our lovely home here on Earth is about 197 million square miles. Let's get a little bit bigger. Our solar system, we can't really use square miles anymore. They're just not quite big enough. We're going to have to move to light years. Light year represents about 5.8 trillion miles. Our solar system, you know, with Pluto and the sun and the moon, 1.2 light years long. You can't Uber your way across it. The Milky Way, our galaxy, right? 100,000 light years in diameter. Let me illustrate it another way. If our little cul-de-sac called the solar system was, uh, you know, living in the neighborhood of the Milky Way, it would be like this. So if we, if, if North America were the size of, um, well, if, Mil if the Milky Way were the size of North America, okay, you got me, Canada, uh, United States, if it were that size, the entire solar system would be the size of a quarter or maybe a half dollar. That's a big difference, but I couldn't quite get the, the certain fact. And the earth would be but a speck. There are hundreds of billions galaxies that we know exist in the universe. <laughs> and our God made them with his finger. Order begins to arrive in our lives when we see where we fit. The Hebrew Psalms are sometimes hard to translate. You've got Hebrew poetry. You know, it's, it's hard. You know, you're trying to connect these words and make it poetic. And we can't do it justice. They hear things that we don't when we say our English representations of these words. But this word here, fingers, this isn't a translator's attempt to make this poetic. We often hear about God's right hand, his right arm. This is literally the word. It can be used to refer to fingers or toes. <laughs> he made all of this with his fingers. When we are faced against the 
immensity of our God's creation, believe it or not, it actually begins to help us see things as they are. It begins to bring peace in a small way. Now, in the moment, it's almost impossible. As I mentioned, our first responders and others that, that spend their lives training, or any profession for that matter, so that in that moment of chaos, it's almost reflex how they respond. So I'm not saying that while we're in it, that, that just think about the Milky Way and you'll be fine, okay? I'm not saying that. But rather, as we train ourselves on the outside of those chaotic moments, when they come, when the Twin Towers fell, we see actually how small they are. If our God is this big, we can no longer ask him into our heart. We can no longer pray to him as if we are his consultant. We can no longer say, hey God, will you take a look at my plans and make them work out? Thankfully, he still listens. No more advising, no more suggesting. This is how big our God is. Second point of application here. Many of you have taught me this just in being here. But I invite you to take, I don't know, one mile per hour off, if you're able, to the pace of your life. You know, when um, chaos is never slow, and if it is, it's after a speedy moment that sort of lingers, right? It's, it's lightning fast. And when our lives are lived at a similar pace, we have no way of seeing, of soaking in what it is that our God has created. I see on many of your social media accounts wonderful sunrises and awesome, beautiful pictures um, that, that remind us that, that we are doing a good job of this. But I invite you, just, just in the smallest way, I know that we have, we have a lot to do. We're, we're responsible people. But how is it that you can actually hop out of the fast lane and begin to take some of the world in? To gain perspective. One of the things I attempted this week, and I invite you to try it. So if you have a smartphone, um, you can actually invert the colors of it. So research shows that the reason, one of the reasons we're so glued to our smartphones is because their screens are more brilliant than our real world. We, there's not, it's more beautiful to look at this scrolling Instagram feed or our pictures than it is to actually engage with one another. So I'll, I'll tell you really quick. I think it goes, you go to settings, then you go to general, then you go to accessibility, you know what I mean? then you go to display. It's, it's a long way. They, Apple doesn't want you to get there. Then you go to display accommodations, then you go to color filters, select grayscale. All right? You can come to me afterward if you want to know. But your phone is a boring piece of technology once you do that. Try it. What is a way that you can move out away from the normal responsibilities and pace of your life to take in this world, this universe that our God made with his fingers? You see, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm telling you that you are. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You see, as, as we started our time, we recognized that in the moments of crisis, sourced in verse 4, we asked the question, what is it, God, that you would be mindful of us, that you would care about us, right? 
when we see the huge sort of mountain of, 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 the God, of God's vast world, we, we, we really feel small. How would you be mindful of us? How do you care about this moment in my life? It's a good thing to be small. The next leg of our trip is back to the garden. So we were in the heavens. God took us to the heavens. Now he's taking us back to the garden. Verses 5 through 8. Order is gained. Perspective is given when we see our place in the world. It says that you have made us a little lower than the heavenly beings. This is the same word that God sometimes gives to himself. It's also a word used for angels. Guys, we have been placed at a position. Okay, remember, remember how big, remember how big the universe is? We're second in command. That's incredible. I've got to point out a flaw that I'm convinced exists in evangelical churches in the world. And that is this. We linger on the element that uh, we're dead, we're sinful, we're broken, we're trash. Whatever it is to, to, to really bring us low so that we can come to a place of receiving the grace of God. Okay, that's true, right? In fact, we, we are part of a tradition that um, absolutely identifies with the fact that um, if our lives were an ocean, every square inch of that body of water would be polluted. We believe that. But it's incomplete. You see, the tragedy in us being broken, sinful people is not just that. It's the fact that we were intended to rule. It's the fact that we were intended to have glory. Before sin entered, God made a beautiful world. And he crowned us at the very top of it. To be him in it. To represent him to one another and to creation. Francis Schaeffer says that we are glorious because we were created by God for being his image bearer. Yet, we are ruins because sin has marred the divine image. Don't fall prey to that trap. This morning, see, yes, indeed, we are small. Yes, indeed, we're broken. But what's so sad about it is that we were made for life. You will never appreciate the work of Christ in your life if you don't see what's so bad about our state apart from him, your life with God will remain a check in the ballot box until you see that you're made for glory, that you're made to steward the creation. Also in this little section, we see that you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, and fish of the sea. What are you hearing as that gets sung out. Genesis 1. The second trip is, is back to the beginning. It's back to the garden. It's to see where we fit. I love this quote. Um, 
by Calvin. He says, Whoever therefore is not astonished and deeply affected at this miracle, you ready? Is more than ungrateful and stupid. <laughs> I love that. Even the smartest of us can say pitiful words. I love it. Let's not be stupid. God has made an immense universe, but he's commissioned the tiniest within it to rule. Our, our government is set up in such a way that the executive office, the Oval Office, the presidency, has a power invested to him or her as the commander-in-chief. This is one person, regardless of just about anything, if he or she is in that office, they have the authority to send out, with, with of course, checks and balances, the most lethal force the world has ever seen. This principle of being the ruler as the smallest is given to us, is granted to us by our God. What does this then mean? In these chaotic moments, we, we often respond in one of two ways. We respond as victims, or we respond um, with overbearing, with, with lording, with uh, you know, un, unchecked uh, rulership. I don't know. Like, you see what I'm trying to draw? Like, you either respond as a, a pitiful woe is me in the midst of crisis or chaos, or you respond just gritting it and become trying to be too powerful. And see, the gift of this second leg on the trip is to be reaffirmed in who we are and where we fit so that it's no longer about us. We're simply stewarding what it is that God has given to us. So we're not thinking a little about ourselves and we're not thinking a lot about ourselves. We're just simply not thinking about it. The final leg of our trip <clears throat> takes us to the cradle to the nursery, to this strange verse 2. Were you thrown off by it as much as I was? We, we, we cry out to God and then we say, out of the mouth of babies, you've established strength. And then he goes on. What is that about? I'm not even so sure that David knew what he was writing when he said that. I mean, I think he's gotten, he's understanding that God's heart is, is, uh, is different in that he cares for a lot of people that many people don't. There, there is something uh, perhaps that he is tasting, but really? Does this really mean that babies win wars? This critical stop on our journey reminds us of something very important. As I've mentioned, um, the mistake that we make by, calling, you know, by totally demeaning ourselves and forgetting where we stand we forget what happened in the garden. Things weren't just jumbled. They were flipped. Okay? God, humanity, creation. This is the design. Creation tempted man. Man lied to God. The curse, what you and I experience, is this constant war against our dogs not won't stop peeing on our carpets and the work of our hands is stressful and the babies we bear are absolutely painful 
Creation doesn't stop warring against us, and we never stop trying to vanquish God from the story. The only way to bring ultimate order to our chaos is to flip the whole thing around again. And you can't do it when you play by the rules of that inverted system. The system of self-help, the system of economic strength, Whatever the system that seems to work in our world does not work in God's economy because it wasn't made that way. So he sends a baby to right side the order. Research professor Brene Brown, many of you may be familiar with her. Um, she chair, is a chair down at the University of Houston. She's done a number of TED Talks um, She's, she's, she's become quite an influencer within our culture. Um, not necessarily uh, professing a faith, but nevertheless presents this critical principle very helpfully. In her book and TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, she is beginning to teach us as a people that strength is found in the courage of being vulnerable. She writes... When we dare to drop the armor that protects us from feeling vulnerable, we open ourselves to the experiences that bring purpose and meaning to our lives. Research shows that we try to ward disappointment with a shield of cynicism. Don't miss this. We try to disarm shame by numbing ourselves against joy. And we circumvent grief by shutting off our willingness to love. This principle, ultimately found in the work of our God through Christ, shows us in Matthew 21, the only section of this psalm that Jesus quotes comes from this strange verse. You remember it? Palm Sunday, coming in on a donkey. And the poor, broken, beaten up, are throwing palm branches down. The rulers and aristocrats are like, what is this? He wins. He rules through submission. He wins by losing. You see, if, if this were a picture that God were drawing, kind of like Bob Ross, the artist himself paints him in the picture. He says, I know how I'm going to bring order to your lives. I know. And it can't stop any short of myself coming to you. This passage hinges upon verse 4. David is, he, his, God has taken him to the heavens. And as a result, he's like, what is it that you're mindful of me? He responds with remembering his place in all of creation with the rest of the psalm. But this morning, I invite you, as we ask this question, what is it, God, that you actually Remember me. And catch this, when God remembers, it means that he moves toward that object. This isn't like to remember the answer to the test or forget it. You remember when, he, when, the, when, when the earth was flooded and um, the sign of his covenant promise was with a rainbow and he says to Noah, Noah, I will remember you. God's memory of us is him moving toward us. 
God's care for us in verse 4. This is, this is like a hospitality. This is God visiting. This is like you and I when we send out meals to those in bereavement or those who've just had babies. We actually show up. The God who made this world with his fingers. Fingers! Paints himself in the picture. Includes himself on the trip to right side things so that we can begin to taste clarity, guidance, hope in the midst of these chaotic situations. He's not only said to us how it is that we can begin to, to obtain clarity, he's actually demonstrated it. This morning, Christian, you are on God's mind. Let's pray. God, we praise you this morning for the fact that though you've named every star, though you uphold all of this by the word of your power, the fact that the world didn't disintegrate when your son hung on the cross, we do not know. But Lord, through the vastness of all that you've made, let the weight of that glory sink to us as you've, you've established us as your co-rulers. You've given us the beautiful task of being your deputies, so to speak. We get to show people beauty, love, hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We get to show them, God. And all along the way, in the most fearful, chaotic moments of life, you remember us. So much so that you visit us and your son Jesus. Give this to us this morning. Help us to see this tremendous love, this tremendous concern. Go with us this week to, to fight another day, whatever that struggle may be, recognizing that you see us, that you care for us. We are broken but we were made for glory. And our hope through Christ is an eternal fixture that even in the midst of the cloudy, smoky, whatever it might be season of our life, you're with us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.